You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, so um, Sid Talk, tonight is the end of, I was going to say British summertime, but that is not correct. It would be if you was in Britain. No, it wouldn't. Last week it would have been. But this week it is the end of what? I don't know. What do, what do you call it? Day, daylight savings time. Right. Right. So um, remember, two... Well, it'll have already happened by the time you wear this, but... Daylight savings time will begin. Correct. If it's Monday morning and you haven't changed your clocks, you're late for work. <laughs> are you late for work? Depends on where you are. <laughs> yeah. Not everywhere in the country, does it? Yeah. So In um, America, anyway. And people who say that it affects them an hour different. This is the before the after the show discussion, by the way. So don't anyone be offended by what I'm going to say. Please. Oh, I'm sure people will take offense to you every week. Well, then I'm offended by what I hear. <laughs> All right. Go ahead and say what you were saying. So, um, I'm, I'm just looking at the waveform. No, that's good. Yeah. I was, I was thinking that was too big, but I think I got it right. So, um, yeah, don't. it doesn't affect you, really. Yes, you get an extra hour in bed. Or go to bed an hour later and just wake up like normal. It doesn't really... An hour can't really... It's not jet... You're not jet-lagged for I a just week. have to say, and I'm going to be as tactless as I am, people are full of shit. When you say an hour of time can affect you for any amount of time. Now, I'm not saying that if I am... If I am stubborn enough in my in an evening to stay up until two in the morning or three in the morning or four in the morning, and then I have I need to get up at six in the morning to go to work, that those three or four hours of sleep those affect you. Yeah, that that more sleep wouldn't have been better. Yes, of course. However, I take full responsibility that I stayed up late. Whatever, it's my own fault, and I get over it in about one hour. In the morning, if I'm tired, I just. Get on with it, and then that evening, I sleep fine. I go to bed a little earlier, or I fall asleep on the couch. Daylight savings. It's like, I've traveled different, a couple different places in the world, just out of our time zones, not like lots of times, but Germany. Been down to Mexico, which wasn't actually out of my time zone, but you would have thought people who travel there think that way. It's very bizarre. Well, I've come all the way down here, I'm all out of sync. And I'm like, well, no, because your time zone is directly above you. You're in the same time zone. There was a lady convinced, oh, she just couldn't get to sleep down here. Her time was all turned around. It was amazing. But I went to Germany, which is like six hours difference or something like that. And our flight was nine hours. And we got up super early in the morning. And then, of course, we didn't sleep on the plane and all this stuff. By the time we got there, it was morning. and Whatever. And we stayed up all day. And we had a good time. And then we went to sleep that evening. And by the next morning... There was nothing. There's no jet lag. It's like in your mind. I mean, there is jet lag because I've had jet lag from traveling. But isn't it? It's just in your mind. But it's um, unless you've been up for thirty hours, yeah, then you're going to be it, tired. It's usually because it's usually yeah. because your your uh, routine is interrupted. Absolutely, and sleep's not the same. Then you time. sleep, and then you wake up. Your brain does not know what time and what day it is. I mean, but you do. Your yeah, body you, doesn't know. You don't know. 
You only know because you look at the clock. And the, the light coming through the window. But even that doesn't make you know what day or time it is really. I mean, unless you're super fine-tuned into where the sun is in the sky, yeah. which we're not. I mean, Kind, kind of. I am. I'm, I, I can tell you when it is 525 in this house. Well, yeah, because you're in the house. Yeah, I mean, what well, I mean but is... But if you're out traveling around, you yeah. wouldn't be aware of the exact time of day. But in your mind, you'd be going, oh, wow, I had a six-hour flight, and the time is... The- and oh, why I say daylight that... savings time. I had to get an extra... I got a And why I say that is the, the sun shines <laughs> right through the office window at 5.25 at night. Right, but that's not your body telling you anything. No, and I... Yeah, I mean, you can tell the kind of roughly the time of day from the just looking up. I mean, if the sun's directly overhead, it's around noon. I'm right? talking about your body just knowing... Your body doesn't know that unless you make the effort to look around. So when you've convinced your brain that you've lost an hour of sleep or a daylight savings time It's more to do with a routine that you have. Or if you've gone somewhere that's three hours difference in time. In our country, you can have four hours difference in your time from California to New York. So if you fly from one to the other, okay, you either gain, quote-unquote, or lose, quote-unquote, four hours. But you don't. You just... And I get Jesus. that. I think it's because Because those sleep. short distance ones, yeah, it could, you know, you set off from, new, you know, somewhere at 12 noon, and then you get somewhere, what, before you left? No, if you drove all the way across, it's like 24 hours I don't drive. mean drive, I mean fly. Right. Like, so it's within, you know, you get there but in an hour, then, but then it's four hours but different. But it's still your mind that's telling you Well, that. then your day's almost over or something, and you only feel like you just started it. So, yeah, it would feel a bit But I, I don't identify with being so trapped into that body feeling of, I went to sleep at 10 p.m., and I woke up at 5 a.m., and by 12 a. noon, I have to eat my lunch, and at 5 p.m., I eat my supper, and 10 p.m., I go to bed. I mean, it seems insane to me that anyone's, that unless you're thinking about it, if you let go of it, it really... I mean, I know some people who claim they need tons and tons of sleep. I claim I don't. When I get more sleep, I feel better. If they get more sleep, they feel better. But you don't have to. Like, it's just... I don't get it. Okay, so uh, that's your... Uh, <laughs> I don't get it. I vote so, for the guy who does not let the time change affect him. So remember to... Um, <laughs> In the debate next time, I want somebody to say to the presidential candidates... Why don't they just daylight cancel savings it? time affect you yes or no and why the guy who goes oh no, daylight savings time is a bunch of bullshit why haven't they cancelled it in this country I have no idea because they've cancelled it in many countries they just don't do it you still have it we still have it but it's going away hmm. so um you know because it, it, it's not needed anymore no there's actually no need for it so I don't know where I mean they could here it wouldn't affect anything well, it would affect somebody, obviously, or it would have just gone away. It's about schools getting out and it still being light, that kind of thing. Um, it used to be about farming. That's right, what, but, agriculture. But it turned out to be, in England even, kids going home, it's pitch black at three o'clock in the afternoon, that kind of thing. When? That's what it turned out to be. When is it ever pitch black at three in the afternoon? In England, it is a lot. Yeah, it absolutely is a lot. I can okay, remember... Okay, you com- say pitch black. I think we have a different... Uh, I mean, night time. It, okay. you, you come out of school and it's night time. It's evening. It's not pitch black. It's a city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean pitch black as in, like, you're all, like, can't see a foot in front of yeah. you. I'm talking about darkness. But that's what pitch black means. Right, darkness. Um, you know, that happened all the time when I was a kid. Yeah, you come out of school, it's really dark. You know, in that little window between the, the daylight savings happening. And ours obviously happens at a different time than yours. Mm. So, as you say, it doesn't... You know, ours is a week before yours. It's not necessary to do it. It's just this weird artificial thing that we do. It is. So, 
Uh, it's Saturday, November the 3rd, 2012, and this is after the show number 248, the movie we're looking at this week, and this is not the time show, it's the actual movie <laughs> show. We're going to be reviewing a movie, and the movie is Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. And that is a long title, and uh, I had to put it up on my movie marquee, which I have over the home theatre room, and it took a lot of letters. But and do you have it? I managed to get it all on there. Because you have some little words combined. Correct. So um, the year of release of this movie, it's a 2012 movie. Uh, one thing I did notice about this movie is how quick it came to Blu-ray and how quick movies are going from theatrical to Blu-ray now because this was out in June in the theatres and uh, came out in October on Blu-ray, which is, what, four months? Isn't that normal? No, that's not normal at all. In fact, some movies you take six to 12 months to come out. That's really quick for a movie. Mm. Um, so yeah things are changing in the um, home cinema world so uh, this is a Blu-ray release it's rated R Uh, there's no tagline unfortunately the tagline is seeking a friend for the end of the world and uh, it's from our friends at Universal it is released on Blu-ray in North America on the 23rd of October so you can get it now and Sid Talk is going to give us a synopsis of this movie, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. The tagline is, no, Bruce Willis is not in this movie. <laughs> there are no explosions in this movie. Uh, synopsis is pretty much not the title, really. Um, the world's about to end. It's, that's announced to you in the first 10, 15 seconds of the movie. So, And it's obvious by the whole vibe of the advertising and marketing. Yeah. And then it's just... Um, an internal and external journey for people to, f- for these particular characters to find the experiences they want to have for this last couple of weeks of life on Earth. And that's it. I mean, it's like... And the world is going to end because... My asteroid's going to hit it. It's Armageddon. It's A sev- how many miles? Seventy. Seventy. Seventy, yeah. It's... um. There's not much more explanation. There's no getting out of it. You're all going to die. There's no, um, oh, what if... See, I think not everyone will die, but it's going to be bad. Yeah. So, um... But they don't present me with any movie scientific information whatsoever, so I just have to fill that in with my brain. Right, so... Seeking a friend for for the end of the world, um... My opinion on it. Um... I saw the trailer for this. Because the Totally Rad Show reviewed it when it was back in the um, cinemas. So I, they show the trailer. Uh, just clips of the trailer. And um, the trailer makes it look like a comedy. Like um, a kind of slapsticky kind of uh, old school mm-hmm. um, Steve Carell kind of comedy. It's not that. Um, I think it's got some comedy elements. But I think actually it's more um, drama than comedy. The comedy's a... In fact, it starts off more comedy than it... It kind of loses the comedy throughout, Mm -hmm. I thought. Which is interesting because, I mean, you're not... It's not all laughs and smiles when this is going to occur, right? This uh, horrible uh, apocalyptic event. So, um... Is it horrible if it's instant and we all just die? How horrible? Well, it's just a horrible thing to to know it's coming. Like, I, like I, I felt that a few times in this movie. Like... I think the horror is the potential of... Not everyone dying instantly. Yeah, well, to, I, I just felt it, you know, and, and trying to wrap things up in this brief period of time. Like, you know, and, and I really like that. I don't, don't think they explored it enough in this movie. Um, Agreed. By far. But that's because it's kind of a low-budget movie, this. Uh, it didn't cost very much to make. So the scope isn't quite what you might want. 
But, and I don't think they explored, like, how everybody is reacting to this, because there's very few people in the movie. Like, like it's it's not... It doesn't show you the global thing. It Which, shows you some some scenes on TV, like some newsreader reading some stuff, and then it shows you individuals who they meet along the way, because it is like a road trip movie. Um, and then the individuals along the way, some are a bit kooky, some... Some are actually... I really enjoyed their reactions to what's going on. Like, the guy you probably don't like, Rob Corddry, the bald guy, where it gives him the cigar. Correct. I loved his... Oh, I loved the vibe of their reaction, the, the wife I love that family. Yeah. There's, a, there's a, basically a, a family, a husband and a wife with some kids. And they've got different... The husband's got this, like, well, fuck it, we're going to have a party if, they, if it's all going to end. Like... Break out the cigars. Let the letting the kids drink alcohol. You know, and little smoke kids. and saying well, yeah horrible things. Saying fireworks or being dangerous, like and you know, and it's all. It, I loved that. It's all a bit contained for me, is what I don't. And that's the that's, like about I think the that's whole what I'm movie. getting. At. The whole thing's contained, and yeah, that's fine because we're you know we've got sure. hero and I don't heroine. mind focusing on the people. It's just the individual reactions the- are not. They're too contained. Like, the reaction of each... Every single thing that happens. The boyfriend who's a jerk. And then getting out of the city. And then seeing the news things on news. And then their own little love story developing. And the father thing. It's all like... Every single thing is too idealized. It's too... And yet... Here's where I've got the balance thing going on. It's fine if you take make a movie and completely idealize all of that and make a slapstick comedy out of it and and crank up the ridiculousness of each and every scenario. That I could handle. Or go the other way and just do a life drama day to day. This is this is a matter of fact of what we're going to do and have a little bit of life humor and totally on that end of the spectrum. Like if you and I were facing it and we decide, fuck it, we're just going to stay in this house and as many family members want to come, that's fine. We know it's going to be over, blah, blah, blah. And the funny things that might happen. But they're skirting she, the director, writer lady. I feel like she had too many rosy eyed views of things. And then wants to be kind of funny and cool at the same time. One thing I didn't actually that get. I, I wanted one or the other, you know. Why? Um, I might have been explained, but I might have missed it. But why couldn't you fly anymore? They why did flights stop? The last planes were grounded. Why, know. though? I guess Because it was weeks before it was going to occur. It was two weeks before. They said, like, power was going down, cell phones were going down, maybe radars and stuff were getting screwed up, so they couldn't do the... Because they said... Uh, the satellite had been hit, and the space station had been hit, and there was like that kind of stuff in the I news. Mean, it's very, it's, I, I so, was, like, if you're flying a plane, you would have no navigation. Anymore. Well, I was kind of puzzling for some things. I was kind of like, "Well, that's it. Okay, you might not have any navigation, but holy crap, it's the end of the world. Just risk it. Do some, you know, everybody's dying anyway, right? Surely somebody would be risking stuff. Surely some airline would just be throwing airplanes up into the air just." There's things like that where I was kind of like, it's the end of the world. Like, people need to see each other. I think that was just a device to explain to, to you to why she needs to. hasn't been able to get off the ground. Home. A lot of things like that were a little bit elementary. Like, for example, uh, a horde of a riot is coming toward their building. The window gets crushed out. There's smoke in the, in the thing. Later, it's perfectly fine again. Yeah, it was actually. 
that was a huge thing that made me go, whoa, 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 whoa. Was nobody paying attention to this little line of continuity? It made no sense. It kind of ruined um, the rest of that portion to me, which I thought was quite good. My favorite parts were coming near the, the, le- the near the end. And yet I was like, I don't feel like this was well. I don't know. It really bothered me that. And I'm not finicky about that kind of shit. It was just like, we're in a reality-based world. There's a riot near their apartment building. Someone throws bricks through the windows. There's a fire in the hallway. They have to escape for their lives. And later, every single thing is perfectly in its place. There's no fire. The windows aren't broken out. I think his maid out. just repaired everything. And no, fixed it all there's no explanation except for <laughs> bad movie making. I mean, that's my. I'm not. I don't mean to be mean, but that's it. Really. No, I I really liked the movie. I liked its sentiment. sentiment. I do think it was overly sentimental, though, especially towards the end. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's almost. You know, one of my favorite um, movies is Love Actually. And it's the most sentimental movie you could possibly see. In fact, it's like this big ball of candy that's assaulting mm-hmm, you with its, mm-hmm. with its over-the-top sentimentality. But it works in that movie because the movie's, you know, it's got serious, heartfelt moments, but it's it doesn't take itself seriously. The balance way. is there. It doesn't ever take itself seriously. It's just more of a, you know, this is a, a you know, it's, it's a bit of life's ups and downs, you know, ultimately we all love each other kind of thing. Now, this movie tries to be real grim and serious at, par- at points and very silly and throwaway at points, so it feels uneven to me, that, and that was what I had the problem with. But my main problem and I, of the whole movie, and I think Steve Carell is fantastic in it, is Kira Knightley. I, I can't... I'm so excited that you... Kira Knightley is a very good actress, right, in the right roles. Um, and this isn't a role that she generally does, right? I'm talking of Love Actually. She also is in that one as well. Um, and in this movie, I would have liked another female actress because... Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I love the fact that they didn't make her American. That's That was great, right? They just keep her accent. But she's great at, like, period dramas and stuff. Really great at them. Really good. Like, I mean, she's perfect for them. And she's good with the comedy of pirates. Right. It's just a fun... And she fits well in that. But in this, I don't buy her. Like, she's um, overacting all the time. In fact, you know the scene when she's looking in the fridge? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? <laughs> what is going on there? I, I was like, I was like, oh my God, what's going on? Is I'm this an outtake? Out, I'm acting out her hands. <laughs> she's got the door open and her hands are on the shelf. And then she twists her little wrist around and she's like... Oh I thought it God. was an outtake that had been put in on accident. I was like... Yeah, that Whoa. she was like, I don't... So yeah, it's her for me. Um... They've made her into this supposedly, like, maybe artsy-fartsy. She's into her records, which was so much bullshit when she starts explaining that. I can't buy it from somebody, some types of characters. She's, obviously, she's supposed to be passionate about collecting record albums, right? And vinyl. But when she's delivering it to you, it's like this cute little young lady who wants to pretend to think that's cool so other people will think she's cool. And that really bothered me because then I'm thinking, so this is the character that we're all supposed to fall in love with and think, well, she's quirky and she's kind of, she's got the cute little, her feet are always going pigeon-toed all the time and she's always doing this with her hands in the end of the freaking world. And she's always piercing her lips, you know, like all the time. And I, I know that's her. I mean, that I, is her, right? And that's From the first few minutes... I didn't care about her at all, and that really bothered me. Near the end, I came around a bit, but... I mean, yeah, the end scene, which I won't... Where they... Mm-hmm. 
that was fantastic acting. Really good, right? I liked that. And yes, yeah, she is a fantastic actress. I don't take that away from her. But in this role, like something that's a little bit... Like, Steve Carell's perfect for this role. I couldn't think of another guy to fit there. He's really perfect. I mean, he does funny and tragic, which mm-hmm. also Will Ferrell can do. We, um, Adam Sandler can also do, right? Um, but yeah, she... Yes, she's supposed to be a bit quirky. There's all these, like, other things in this movie that are, you know, the thing about her, like, she can sleep through anything. She's yeah. got some kind of thing. It's, it's a, all it's just thrown in there to make the plot it's work. It's really amateurish. Well, it's to make really the plot work, yeah. and it's really bad. Like, it's like, hey, let's show that she can sleep through anything, because later on, yep. she has to sleep Precisely. through something. Which I really, I, I dislike that because it feels real shoehorned to me. Like, oh crap. I'll, I'll... Like they're sitting there going, okay, now how are we going to get her from here to here? Um, well, maybe she'll be asleep and, 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 and she won't, she can sleep through anything. Oh yeah, let's go back in the beginning of the script and add that in Why there. is it that she said, like, why she's got a severe case of whatever it is. Some bullshit that makes a sleep. Supersomnia. Sleep, yeah, just bullshit. It's like it's like uh, unobtainium, isn't it? It's, it's, yes. it's a bullshitty kind of plot device. And there's a lot of that in this movie. And it's, you know... The record albums, the sleeping, yeah. the, the father, the parents. All of it's just like tools. Fi- and every fucking person they know live in big freaking expensive houses. Yeah, and he's just, really just a lowly um, insurance agent. Really, yeah, like, he lives in like a really fancy apartment. Yeah, Every too, place too they go is like a big mansion-y kind of a house. And I'm like, does everyone in your life have like big fancy houses with like massively modern kitchens? And plus just going in somebody's house with no... I know it's near the end of the world, but their house is still... Everything is perfectly where it belongs. No one's come and ransacked that house. The people who live there didn't take the I mean, this isn't a grim and dirty look at the end of the world. No. In fact, it's very Hollywood, uh, you know, shiny version of the it's end of the world. It's kind of like, and I get the idea, as you're walking down the street, you wouldn't even know. And I like that concept. Yeah, look, like Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, look as we're driving down the street in this particular... Well, the thing is, though... Then you go back to the news thing and back to the beginning. The device they needed to get them out of the apartment right. is a riot on the street. Yeah. Tw- ten minutes later, we're walking down a beautifully well-lit street that has no no garbage, no fire, no cars that have been crashed. I just I, don't... I, I felt like it was really crappily put I together. I think because the movie, it cost $10 million to make, which is real low on it. So they don't have any special effects. Um, it can't cost much to throw garbage in the street. No, I know, but they, they also don't use a lot of locations, I found. Like, if they're driving in the car, they're driving past things, right? They stop at a couple of places. But if you call it that, it's real minimum uh, everything. Like, it's doing it as minimum as I you can. I don't think that's a good... I don't think that's any reason whatsoever not to have, like, big areas of explaining that the end of the world is coming. I think you could do all of that on the cheap. Real easily, in fact. Spray paint some things that look like they've been on fire. I mean, it's very simple. One night, The night before, we see that the streets are on fire with riots, and the next day, everything's perfect again. So, it's really uneven, but having said that, there's some real good scenes in it. I, I really liked some of the stuff, and it's mostly Steve Carell, I think, um, reacting to what's going on. Um, there was a big jump scare Oh, yeah. this movie that I almost dropped my glass on the floor it was yeah. um, it won't come when you're expecting it it's just one it's not even as, it's not supposed to be really. it's just the fact that it happened um, but st- 
like the moment with his father I really liked. I felt I, it felt. I didn't. Well, I got the. You know. The over sentimentalized thing of not having a father your whole life and then all of a sudden you're best friends. I, no, not that. I I felt the. Like the tension out of Steve Carell at the beginning of that scene. Yes. Really absolutely. well. Like, like, what would you do if and you. And to resolve that? They resolve it very quickly. There's no happiness to that. I don't. I just don't believe in that. End of the world, though. Shit. I mean, extreme circumstances. I guess. Doesn't matter. I don't have a switch in my brain that does that. I guess maybe I'll know. If and he kind time. of did. That's what I'm saying. That's why I really like that scene because no, it wasn't fully. Yes, the montage afterwards kind yes, of was. That's but what the scene me. itself, it wasn't. It, it was. He was like, I don't really want to hear your shit. Like, yeah. I like that, but yeah, then they did kind of do a montage of a happiness. It's like right? an overly romanticized idea of, oh, this poor guy has had a broken relationship with his father, and isn't it nice to wrap it up with a little bow near the end of the world that everybody gets forgiven, and we just drop all of our... Dis- Ugh. I but I, I, there was loads of really good scenes. I liked how, like, when they went to the weird, what was it, Friends... <laughs> Frenzies. Friend, like an Applebee's type place and everybody... Like, Applebee's at the end of the world, basically. And people have lost their inhibitions. And they, Yes, it, that was pretty funny. I thought that was kind of funny. That's where the weird slapsticky stuff comes yeah. back and then disappears like, again. Like, yeah, do mo- like either do all that. And that would be a good movie, too. Like, a, like, a, like let's make fun of like the end of the world. Like, all, all of it. But they're not fully here. And that's mm-hmm. the problem, I think. Because, yeah, that scene's cool. Like Because the... That one was like, What? That was so unnecessary. All that was a device to get you a vehicle. Yeah. It was such a waste of time. I mean, seriously, a complete waste of time to me. Well, I, you know, I could, I, I understand, you know, there's a concept there of, like, somebody who can't handle it, right? Well, then don't drag it on for, like, ten minutes. Just get it over with. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, it's real uneven, like, but, I, I you know, I enjoy the subject matter. Of, yes. And, and I don't think I've done it, seen it done this way before. It's just, there are a lot of pretentiousness to it. And it's like Lola versus that we watched the other week. Yes. Um, the way that didn't play very true because of it being so up its own ass. This is not up its own ass. It's not that. It's more like... A little bit it is. Yeah, but it's more like... I mean, we're kind of used to movies where they, like, Hollywood everything up. Like, everybody's got, like you say, a posh apartment and mm-hmm. everybody's well-dressed. And I don't know why we always have to have that. We seem to always have to have that. Or when they do it, like, as in Lola's case, there's nothing fancy about her. But everything about her is too idealized yeah. about a young lady who does the thrift shopping and her girl. Like the Keira Knightley character in this movie. I can't buy her at all because she's so put together. The yeah. army the army um top, the the you know pink tutu dress. Yeah the, as you said the, the, the goodwill kind of dress, the sneakers, uh the the kind of you know, Bob haircut that's just the whole it, like look at her on the cover. It's just the whole it's somebody's in of- and you see behind the scenes, I can see the scene in my mind, the wardrobe people going, oh, it's hot, that's hot, that's awesome, that is so good, that is perfect, that is so cool. Without yeah. even thinking of, like, the... And she has to be, you know, the vinyl records. And- like, she's not in that. She's not... Her character's empty to me. But then I think of something like Ghost World, where that girl is 
it's got a whole different vibe, obviously. But she, I'm completely buying that Ghost World girl. Yeah, and those girls are the dark, what they're trying grimmy. To make this. Yeah, yeah. The, I, but the way they put her together, the way she acts, every scene, the way she's presented, and the story that's told around her, I buy it completely. This young lady, it's like, even if she was that character, she's wearing those clothes just to be cool. Right. And she has those albums just to be cool. And I don't relate to that. So I guess that's why I'm a little bit distant. I don't want her to blow up at the end of the world or anything, but I couldn't fall in love with her like you're supposed to and go, oh, what is, I I keep thinking to myself, she's not the one for you. I don't care if it's the end of the world. It's just a desperation thing like, at yeah. that point. Yeah, like, that, that's how I see it. Like, uh, but then, then they try and make it into this, like, huge love thing. Which I guess, I, I just had to keep saying to myself, and you shouldn't really have to do this when you're watching a movie, okay, it's the end of the world, maybe people's decisions are off. Maybe that's what it is, everybody's off, like. But there's just some leaps, too many leaps around. You can't be convinced that if they were to meet under different circumstances that any of that would have taken place, no. which is the point, I That's get the it. Point, it's yeah. the end of the world. So, um, the cast of the movie, Steve Carell plays Dodge. Um, I do think he's really good in it. And a movie I would compare him to uh, is uh, Dan in Real Life, mm-hmm. which is a similar type of performance. It's the like more subdued, less slapsticky Steve Carell, right? Uh, yes. I think he does a good job of it. I really do. I think he's... I can watch him, like, do you know what I mean? I I'm not annoyed by watching him. He dials back... Sometimes it's kind of obvious when he's dialing back his reactions to certain things. But then one of my problems with the character is it's not written... He tells you a couple of times, and then you're supposed to get from the fact that he sells insurance, and then he says the words, like... I always like to safety net. I went ahead and got married because that's my security blanket or whatever. So you're kind of piece it together. But what I wanted more was to see, and he plays it well because he, but he doesn't say and act out enough on this, the concept of I'm, I've always been, I always knew the end was coming. Like he says, I, I just feared being alone at the end. Then that's who he should be. If his whole life has been that, then I just want that to be the whole of him. Like this, not doom and gloom, but like pragmatic and practical and this is how it is. And all of a sudden something happens like the Grinch and his heart grows three sizes too big. And I just think that was a mistake because he's so much better as the contemplative. He's not poor me like I'm a victim at all. He's just like, you know, this is life and it's kind of empty for me and it has no meaning for me. And... That's okay. I want somebody in this fucking world to say it's okay if you don't have all these idealized hopes and dreams and love and roses and everything's great. And if I'm in love, everything's fine. And life has all these meanings and wondrous things. Because you know what? If I don't think that, then I don't think that. And he has to have to bring him around to some sort of like, oh, you used to be all sad and lonely. And look, we found you a woman for the end of the world. And I just... That I didn't like. I wanted him just to be himself the whole time. Right, and then Kira and I Lee is Penny. Um, you know, it's too. <laughs> I don't. I don't like. I have to it. say, I'm so happy that you said what you did because I was afraid it was just me. Yeah, I like her. Like, don't get me wrong, but I don't like her in this. I, I'd rather see her in some classical acting thing because I feel that like she does those good. You know, um, 
What I was thinking of, though, is that another. Pre- there's a lot of preconceived shit. In, you know that weird shit in this movie where it's like, oh, yeah, plot device, plot device, plot mm-hmm. device. Oh, somebody who's got a shelter with a satellite phone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nobody can make phone calls. And, and it's a completely... Un- let's just make this clear. Nobody can make phone calls in the movie because... Cell phones have been it's deactivated. They, yeah, but, you know, at some point... Her relations in England, she needs to talk to them, so... Oh, look, is that a satellite? But why? This is the thing. Why? She feels like she needs to... No. No, 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 no. Why do we need to see her talking on the phone? We don't, because nothing happens. She just gets a no sentimentally f- thing. But for what? So he can... Not for us, I don't think. It's He's watching her all... All of a sudden, he gets all doughy-eyed and like, Oh, look, she loves her family. So what? Like, in the fact, whole world is ending. In like, fact, yeah, the, in fact, when they meet that... It's pointless. You know, the black dude. That whole section. When they meet that black dude and he's got, like, a... Well, it doesn't matter there's a black dude, but I know what you mean. Well, I, I, I assume... <laughs> Alright, when you meet the guy with the gas mask. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's more interesting. Obviously, <laughs> they're kitted out. And in a different movie, that would be an interesting place to be, wouldn't it? Like, because that would be a... You'd feel safe there. It's mm. somebody who's preparing for it, right? In this movie, it, there's no reason at all. Nope. Apart, from, it's not even funny. Nope. Not, they didn't even attempt to make that funny. Oh, I, I, was it supposed to? be Oh, funny? I think they were trying to be very funny. They had guys playing, like guys sitting on the toilet, two guys playing video games. Yeah, but that's not funny. It's not funny to you, but they think it's funny. That's no. the whole idea, wasn't it? That it's like this funny. And the fact that he has a fleet of electric vehicles that are not protected from the asteroid, by the way. Correct. They're all just sat outside. <laughs> I was thinking that. I was thinking, okay, he's all tooled up, this guy. And look at all those brand new electric vehicles that they that he's got. Where did he get them all? I guess he is sponsored Plus, by them. <laughs> six months ago, she knew of them because that's when she stopped dating him. Right. So why did he have a fleet of them six months ago? But anyway, he has this fleet of brand new electric smart cars sat outside. Brand new, perfectly shiny. And they're not protected from anything because they're not in the bunker. They're in the yard. Yeah. And then I was like... Oh, the fleet was four, by the way. There and was she need... Four. They obviously need a car to continue on their journey, so it's very convenient. There's a lot of that convenience, isn't there? And this guy who's tooled up to protect himself from the end of the world is just going to hand over the keys to this quirky girl who he's decided is going to be the woman to go on with him yes, in the, the Adam new Eve world. scenario. Yeah. But then he just gives her the keys and says, okay. You better come back. It's really, yeah. It's just, it's like a 16-year-old girl wrote this movie, and that really bothers me, because there's no, that's fine if you want to go completely on the side of uh, What's-Her-Face, who wrote Juno, and kind of like dig yourself in a hole, over-the-top, smarmy, weird, youthful, whatever, but this one just doesn't go together very good, and I'm afraid, I feel like, once they got Carell's name attached, and then they got Kira Knightley, then it was just like... Everybody bullshitted each other, telling everybody how great it was. And there was a lot of stuff that could have been done to make it feel def- more together. It's definitely full of holes if you look for them. Um, oh, but I there is have in- to look. But there is enjoyment to be had also. That, a little bit. Um, so Adam Brody is Owen, and he just plays the boyfriend of Kira Knightley, and he's kind of goofy, and he, yeah, it's, it's a bit lame. He's like a stoner. It's dude. completely lame. Um, Nancy Carell is in there as Linda, who's actually Steve Carell's <laughs> wife, which is interesting. Uh, Rob Cordry, you know, um, I know you don't like him. I I liked him in Hot Tub Time Machine. I think he has the, one of the best scenes in that movie, in the car mm. where he's gonna. That doesn't I, last very long, but okay. Yeah, and the, on the roof, I actually, yeah. I actually um, I thought he was really good in that movie because he actually has some. Hot Tub Time Machine is a crazy, <laughs> crazy movie, but the actual scenes 
the dramatic scenes in it, he is in. And I felt him like it in those scenes because it's it's a funny movie, but it does have a a message and he delivers the message. Um, I liked him in this because of my my favourite scene in this whole movie is little kids drinking <laughs> vodka. And drinking him martinis saying, and stuff. Him saying, get through the burn, kids, get through the burn, because it's so taboo. Like, I was looking at it thinking, holy yeah. shit, I've never seen this before. I hope the movie continues like this, because that is... That's that's the funny shit about the end of the world, right? Funny shit that there shouldn't be happening, like, but people have just lost it. The way you're talking about it is the same way you talk about Almighty Bruce. Bruce that, Almighty. Yeah. So, I actually yeah. <laughs> thought of that. I actually thought of Bruce Almighty while I was watching this film because it's a fantastic idea, but I don't think they capitalize on it because there's just this one, like five minute montage. Well, less than five minutes of him doing things that I would think, oh, that'd be cool if this scenario was going to happen. And in this movie, yeah, there's too little of that, right? So I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like, people, society's breaking down. Like, even. This father doesn't give a shit about his kids anymore. He, he doesn't give a shit about anything. That's awesome. I like that concept. And see, I'm not convinced everybody's going to die yet. Nothing they've said other than the little news blurbs that say it's going to hit. And then in the background a couple of times you hear, well, we don't know where it's going to hit. And the government's not telling us where it's going to hit. There's, They're not giving me the information at all that everybody's going to die. And that that's truly the end. So when you think about it. We don't know where it's going to hit. We don't know what the impact's going to be. So if this father has now decided to corrupt his children terribly, and if after the fallout, somehow every, his part of the world doesn't get blown up, then what? Now, I know I'm overthinking it, but the reason I'm overthinking it is it's not a full enough moment by moment to keep me from my mind wandering to those things. I want it. I don't want it all explained to me. But I want somebody who's really digging around for all of these rich, wonderful things that could happen if you knew it was the end of the world in three weeks. And it's like it takes a break from that every five and that, minutes. And that's why I thought it was the the moments like that where he's letting his kids run riot and he's like doing dangerous shit. The, the father, oh, they're having a party. Oh, they're in a place <laughs> and everybody wants to have sex with each other. Now that one was kind of funny when the friend comes in. He's like, he's got heroin. Yeah. No, like, that's funny. Just things like that. People would know, I enjoyed like, about the movie, right? Yeah, but they, people would be so like, brief. you know what? Fuck, screw it, I'm gonna try it, you know, like... And, you know, and they go into a restaurant and everybody wants to fuck them, like, it's just <laughs> like this weird, like, everybody's given up, you know, it's it's like society's breaking down. Riots, kind of just small, right? It's the smallest riot I've ever seen. Like, one of the very little tiny, tiny details that a lot of people might miss and not even pay attention to, but when they're in the friendlies... Frenzies, sorry, <laughs> frenzies. Which oh my god, that's so funny. Applebee's. Basically. The waitress sits down with them. She's totally wasted on something. I think ecstasy because she's loving yeah. everybody, and they've got light bracelets and shit on. And she's like, you know, what do you want? Because the guys in the kitchen are getting real creative. And I thought, there yeah. is a fantastic notion. There's dudes who, on any other day, w- working in a kitchen of a stupid chain restaurant, are going to be like hating it right and now it's the end of the world they're still in that kitchen and they've decided what have we got what crazy shit can we cook they made hamburgers with donut buns and stuff there's a whole story sitting in that kitchen of dudes who are living out the end of the world at work in a grimy kitchen of a, of a basically I mean, of yeah this. that little tiny comment made me think oh i want to go in the kitchen and see what these guys are doing like that just sounded amazing so um 
Patton Oswalt plays Roach. It's really a small performance by Patton Oswalt. He's not even in it long. He's just like kind of saying some sexy kind of stuff to Steve Carell. It's kind of not even... No. And Martin Sheen plays his father, Frank. Did a good job. Really did, yeah. I didn't expect to see him either. The best scene in the entire movie, and it was serious, and I've felt the end of the world coming. Right. I felt the impending doom, because otherwise Carell wouldn't be there. And I felt the sorriness, and in that two-minute frame, I was like, ooh, that's really good. And then cut I didn't actually know... Give me the last little bit in the... You know, where they're like... Yeah. I didn't know Martin Sheen was in the movie, because he's not... On the court, you know, there's no name, like, they didn't bother, they didn't put his name at the top. So that was actually interesting to me, because when he did appear, I was like, wow, I didn't expect my engine to be in it, you know? I've just recut it in my mind. The very beginning part, where he's still going to work, and he's kind of mundane, but the world is ending. And then cut straight to him and the father, and then cut straight to the very end. <laughs> Those are the three best portions of the whole movie, and they go together. It's like a boring, mundane, but fatalistic view of the end of the world and I love that those parts so this is directed by Laureen Scarfaria Laureen's a bit overly sensitive and she actually um, interestingly enough uh, she, it's her first directorial debut but she wrote uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist which is actually a really sentimental movie also but it's, it's a much it's not she didn't make that movie she wrote it but um, I see that if you go and watch that and I like that movie. It's actually quite good. Um, I can tell it's they're the same. In fact, in the extras of here, they ask the people about their playlist for the end of the world, which kind of makes sense now when I think about it, because she's uh, wrote that movie. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist is a way better movie than this one, but they have got the same kind of vibe. In fact, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist is about like a night out um, and... Not the end of the world or anything, but like a, a, a life-changing night. Right. And Life's going to be different tomorrow. Like a risky business or, you know, it's, yeah. that, it's that kind of movie between a boy and a girl. It's going to change the life. And it's, a, it's an adventure, but it's kind of on a small scale. And it ends up profound at the end, which is what this is doing exactly right. It's just it doesn't do it quite as well as that did. There's nothing profound in this movie. No, well, there is, I think, a little what? bit. Well, not profound as in, like, something you've never heard before or anything, but, yeah, I mean, she's got a message, let's, let's say. What is it? About love. What's profound about that? Well, you, some could say it's profound, right? No. Profound to me is, like, it's profound. It makes you go, oh, that has an impact on, or is a view of actual, like, profound, like something love isn't profound it is what it is right you get attracted to somebody you love all your children the, you love you know bond between people you're thinking that it, they're trying well maybe you think it's profound to decide that in the end what you want is to be with a loved one but i don't think that's profound i think that's obvious so uh, yeah there there is definitely similarities between those two stories and uh you could probably watch them back to back and feel a, a vibe about them um makes me wonder about myself what would you want oh just quick in kill, the end kill me I know but in the end what would then what, how would you spend your last week oh I have no idea actually I was thinking about it it's like just go do you go really crazy do you, do you just like do everything do you drink he drinks a bottle of window cleaner at one point it's like the, like the shittiest and then surprisingly he's not sick or anything so didn't she, do anything to him it's the worst suicide attempt ever drink a bottle of window cleaner 
It's like vinegar and, and water. And the dog right? has absolutely no meaning whatsoever. There's not even. I actually of... was struggling to find a meaning to that dog, apart Nothing. from that the dog was alone. Was he needed, abandoned. He needed people. All, he needed some. You know, it like... shows you that the Corral guy is a caring person. Yeah. But I mean, we could figure that out other ways. It feels like somebody just said we need something more dynamic going on in scene number seventeen and oh, scene a number twenty-eight. Dog would be great. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I feel like that's how this story was written, and I don't, I don't like it to be transparent, even though I know that's how stuff happens. But all right, so uh, Blu-ray extras here on this disc is um, outtakes, um, and they're out, they're, they're outtakes. Uh, a look inside, seeking a friend at the end of the world. It's just one of those like uh, electronic press kit things. Mm-hmm. It's really, um, it's not, it's not much to it really. Uh, it's very brief, three minutes. Music for the end of the world, what's on your playlist? That's what I talked about. They just ask the main actors in the movie what they would have on their playlist for the end of the world music. There aren't even very many answers. I was thinking, like, no. people are going to give you, like, some top ten lists or something at least. But And there is a feature commentary, which I'm going to listen to this week. Just It might give me some more insight or something. I'm thinking maybe I can gain more from the insight of the feature Cover's commentary. so misleading, isn't it? Yeah, it actually is. It makes it look like something... It's unfortunate, because I want it to be that. It's actually a good cover. It's actually... A, I like the image. Um, oh, I don't. But I'm just saying, the concept of it is way misleading. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I, I like how the cover doesn't make it seem like a comedy or anything either, does it? It makes it look like... I oh, know. I think it looks like a total comedy. To me, it doesn't. Two people, ran shackled people with a dog and an asteroid in the background. That looks comedy to me. Do you ever see the asteroid? You don't see the asteroid, do you? You don't even see a, like a, a special... Well, no, tell them, Betty. No, I'm oh. saying, do you see an asteroid? Oh, no, but don't tell them. <laughs> in the, uh... It gives away parts of the movie. Maybe you do in that news footage. Oh, yeah, the guy from the news footage from Mad Men. Mm-hmm. I didn't write him down, but, yeah, if you like Mad Men. <laughs> uh, the, the, the guy who, um, from... I can't remember his name. So, um... Dick. Duck. Duck, correct. So, um, yeah, it's got... It's... It's a odd, odd. I wanted to like it so much, and I didn't. I did a little bit of fun, but then I just I fell apart for me a lot. I think it's um, average. Uh, I wouldn't say don't watch it if you like Steve Carell. If you're really super hypersensitive and you like happy endings in a weird way, you're gonna love it because you're gonna get all sappy and shit, and you're gonna be like, oh, love, love. What do you think about it? If I decide I want to spend, if you the like end- happy endings, yeah. I said in a weird way. You're going to like it because it's all like, oh, hearts in the eyeballs. But when we think about it, if I decided, oh, here's this group of people I want to spend the end of the world with. There's 25, 30 people. How do you end the list? And do those 25 or 30 people want to spend the end of the world with me? And are there people over here who are deciding they want to spend the end of the world with me? But I've decided, no, not you. I'm going over there. So I think just be alone. <laughs> everybody, unless you're a child who needs some kind of care or you need some kind of care, everybody just isolate yourselves from each other and then boom, it's over. So, so thanks to Universal for the Blu-ray. If you want to enter a contest, go to aceglue.com. You can enter one. Next week's Blu-ray review will be the uh, Ultimate Collector's Edition of Brave. So uh, every year in November we do, a, we do a Pixar movie review. It seems to be a theme. So uh, Brave, really looking forward to it because I am a big Pixar fan. And last year it was Cars 2, which was okay. It was fun. It was okay. I was more entertained by Cars 2 than I was by this movie. Yeah. In a fun way. Different way, but fun Different way. Different way, yeah. yeah. But no, I had... I, I For this Seeking a Friend at the End of the World, I have to finalize it by saying, 
I did I did enjoy partially parts of it. I love the overall concept of it. Yep. But um, I don't think it was... But didn't you find yourself through the whole thing... Wishing for looking, more of it. Yeah, looking for that concept to kind of... I was just wishing for more of... The things that I liked about the movie, I kept going, oh, okay, let's get off this bit and onto more of that bit that I yeah. like. But and it never does that, so then it kind of peters out on a bit. But, you know, I kind of liked the end, I kind of liked the beginning. There was some meandering bits in the middle, the part when they go in the jail, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it doesn't make any it, sense. They all just seemed really... Uh, all right, so let's get off the movie, we're done. Um, new movie game, what is the movie game? Movie memory one, two, three. Movie memory one, two, three. This is going to be a really easy one for you. You or me say to the other one. Name three movies that have whatever in it. And this is your turn. And we have to remember things. We can't look it up. We have to just go in our brain. This one's going to be easy for you this week. End of the world movies. Of course. I knew that's what you were going to choose. It's really simple. End of the world. uh, Even though it's called movie memory one, two, three, let's do five. Okay. Are you saying the world has to end? Because I don't want to give any way... But you can't no, just end about. of the world movies dealing with the end of the world. The threat of the end of the yeah, world. Don't, don't okay. have to spoil well, obviously anything. Armageddon. Correct. And um, the last night, the last night is that the name of it? The last night of the life, or the last night of the world, where you've seen it, I've seen it. It's just people what they're going to do with the end. I don't. I think it's called the last night, isn't it? Right, go carry on. Is that right? That's why no, I'm asking. It's you. one of my recommendations. What? That movie. Oh, is that the name of it? That's what I'm asking this is called you. called Last Night. Okay, Last Night. Um, You've not seen it? I have seen parts of it, yes. Um, end of the world. Well, then we... Well, it's not really the end of the world, though. Like, Deep Impact. Deep Impact, yes. Okay. But the whole world wasn't going to end. Um, Day After Tomorrow, obviously, is not the end of the world, but it's pretty grim. That's five. 2012. Right. <laughs> oh, funny how that just slipped my mind. Yeah, 2012. Uh, what else? Noah's Ark. Oh, wait, no, that's not a, that's not a movie. That's a true story. <laughs> the Bible. Evan Almighty. <laughs> the Old Testament. Evan Almighty. The Old Testament. Heaven Almighty. Evan Almighty. Yeah, he has to build the ark. <laughs> right. It's just You're Noah's Ark, but like a modern day movie. You are correct. All right, so there's um, got to be more though. Yeah, there's lots. There's lots because I looked up end of the world movies on IMDb and there's there's just tons of them. Um, the one that you like, and I forget the name of it, but with um, the guy from 2012. Oh my God, Cusack with the aliens. No, that's Nicolas Cage. Sorry, Nicolas Cage. Oh yeah, that is about the end. What's that called? Knowing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. It's a really interesting movie. That definitely um, underrated. So, um... What are some more? Oh, I don't know anymore. So, movie recommendations for this week. I am going with my end of the world slash grim type theme. And my first one, I think, is a perfect fit. Because it's a comedy, and it's the end of the world. And it's Zombieland. Of course. And it kind of fits with the theme of this movie, only it's a lot better. Because any zombie movie could be counted as the end of the world as we know it. It's not the end of the world. No, but it's, uh... Survival. Humanity is what you're talking about here. End of humanity. So Zombieland, because it's a comedy as well as being a... Uh, see, there's a movie that does get it right. It's slapsticky. Uh, yeah, it's horrific at the same time, right? Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, it's that. It's it's basically like Shaun of the Dead already existed. Mm-hmm. It's American kind of Shaun of the Dead movie, right? 
and it really got it right. It, it never tried to be too serious. It was always a bit tongue-in-cheek, yet the horror parts were horrifying. A movie that's really, really good, that's made really well, that you and I would approve of, that is about, say, the extinction extinction of humans. You know how now we can say, oh, there is only 47 of these black and purple striped whales in the world, and soon they'll be extinct. Now, what if... 7,000 years in the future, humans have figured out there's only 10,552 of us left, and we have no resources, and I'd like to see that movie. What is this? The Extinction of Humans. And we know it. We know we're becoming extinct. We've run out of resources, or we're running out of resources, and we know there's only this many of us left. Oh, Omega um, Man. Children of Men could be considered sort of an end of the world kind of a thing. A Mega Man? No, no, not a Mega Man. Like no, I'm not oh, talking about that. I'm talking about oh, end other of the, end of the world yes. type movies. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. But that would be a good movie. But make it way, way in the future. But where we now realize on this whole planet, we've only got this many, and there's a counter, and we keep track of every single person, and we, you know, that would be good. Somebody out there who's listening, make that movie. So make my, it good. So my second. Um, recommendation is Armageddon. I always mm-hmm, have to throw mm-hmm, Armageddon in. Because it is another movie that's completely... that doesn't take itself seriously, yet I do feel the threat of what is going on. Definitely. And it never... It doesn't take itself seriously. It's tongue-in-cheek the entire time, yet I well, I feel, don't think it's the whole time. You get some pretty dark scenes there, here and there. Yeah, not a lot, to me. It, it's very comic bookish or something. It's very... Yeah, I do feel... Because of the special effects and how it is portrayed, mm-hmm. you physically can see that. The, and yeah, they do. They do some um, here's of city getting smashed up kind of thing. I feel, I feel threatened by it. Independence Day, in a way, even though we don't lose, but still, that's one of those. Things. Oh, you spoiled that one. I've not seen it. <laughs> and my final uh, one, I have three this week, is Last Night, which is like a really small movie. You can see it on Netflix, I believe. Oh, really? I need to watch yeah, it again. Yeah, and it's, um, it's just this really small, it's like Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, yet a serious version. There's no comedy in it. It's Do they explain a, what's causing the end of the world? You have to watch it. Okay. The sun is going to go out. You just told me. Jesus. You asked me. I mean, Jesus. I had to remember. The sun is... The Did sun, Jesus come back? For the, the sun will go out in um, X amount of time, and it's the last night. The sun won't come up again. The moon comes out. The sun's not coming back. You're all going to die. So, But it's done in a small budget. Mm. Everybody, Character-driven. Everybody knows it's the end, and it's, it's four little stories that intertwine into each other. But it shows the horror of the end of the world, because it shows... The seedy side of people and, like, not everybody's going to be good in this. You know, there's going to be rapes, there's going to be... All that stuff is covered, like, so it's really good. Um, so what are your... Um, there's ones? rapes and stuff, it's really good. That's yeah, well, I, I like that. I like the... Because people are just bananas, they're going to go nuts. And, yeah, they do cover it a tiny bit in there, but it's real, in this movie we watched today. But Yeah, it's almost like you're watching a 1970s riot in a movie. They're so generic and so harmless. Yeah. They're, like... Got bats, but they're going like, yeah. They're just kind of like rambling around. It's so weird. I was like, is anyone telling the director what's they want to going be too on here? So uh, yeah, what, exactly. What, we want a riot, but, but we like, don't want them to be too threatened. So, what's your movie recommendations for this? My recommendations are because this was one view of the end of the world in a way. 
I also did like Battle L.A., Battle L.A. Los Angeles, because of its other view of a, of a happening. Just like you said, this isn't like, Battle L.A. is not like an Armageddon or where you're seeing the alien invasion from day, you know, day after tomorrow. It's the people who have, they have nothing to do with the operation. They're just trying to survive through the city and sort of seeing it happen around them. It's not perfect. It's not fantastic. It has good special effects, I think. And Oh, it's really good. Um, I think that looking at it from that point of view was just made it really interesting movie. I mean, Skyline kind of, but it wasn't as good. The acting was It's bad. funny that they both came out around the same time. The special effects of both of them are really good. I, I do think uh, Battle LA cancels out Skyline because of how similar they were and like, how much better one But Skyline's special effects were amazing. You have to admit. They those were. aliens were fantastic. And it was that was a really cheap movie to yeah. make. Yeah, it looks like a really expensive movie. Exactly. Yeah. And my other one is the episode of Doctor Who in episode season one, but season one with Christopher Eccleston, and it's called The End of the World, where the Earth, he takes Rose to a place where they are people, really rich people in the universe, people and beings, have paid to come and view the end of the Earth. And because rich people for centuries or millennia have been paying to keep Earth in this bubble because it's dying, but now the funding is gone and they've decided not to do it anymore, they're going to like unplug the, the life support, basically. And I just think that's a fantastic concept. And I, uh, I vote for any um, Doctor Who episodes that have Rose Tyler in them. And <laughs> I don't dislike Rose, but... I, I, th- I vote for... Christopher Eccleston is my favorite Doctor Who out of these new ones. Really is. He's so brief his time. But when I go back and watch those ones, I enjoy them more than any of them. Um, you know, and Russell T. Davis when he when he was that. I really think, and I am a Doctor Who mega fan, that uh, this last season did nothing for me at all. Aww. I almost felt like it was just going through its paces. This la- These last five episodes we watched, I almost felt like I'd, I've seen these ideas before. Yeah. It's regurgitating itself now. It's more about like the relationships just, than about the Like drama. you just said, there's some awesome things in those early episodes. The, the you know, witnessing the end of the world from a spectator's yeah. gallery. Just just stuff that was so, like, Yeah, we're not wow. doing, we haven't done any of that no, kind of stuff. Of no. We haven't gone to the planet where the Oods are there and, like, a big massive thing. That was amazing. What life. they've been doing with this new Doctor guy is just rehashing things and, and then getting stuck in this, like, uh, river song thing. And, you know, it, it got a bit stuck for me. And I, every week I, I was like, oh, come on, get out of this and, like, let's go back to Because Doctor Who's life isn't as interesting to me as... Some the of the way he can, he can live, the things he can see and do, yeah. So hopefully we'll get back to that. Why why they didn't is the budget used to be quite high for Doctor Who when it when it came back, and then they cut it, they cut it, they cut it, and now they've got to be more character, mm. smaller scale character things. It surely doesn't take much to make a a set. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like that one just recently with the uh, Wild West yeah. town. That was the best out of those ones for me. I really liked that one. That was a good one. I thought it was an interesting concept. And it looked the part. You know, they used a Wild West town. But that last one we just watched, the end of the Ponds thing, I I just felt really... It felt anticlimactic and everything to me. I was like, come on, we've gone on this massive adventure with these people and that's it. That is it. (laughs) So, yeah, hopefully Russell T. Davis comes back and things... He won't, will he? No, he won't, will he? (laughs) Shame. Uh, so yeah, it's the Stephen Moffat guy. He just kind of—he's a—he's too much of a salesman. He tries to sell it to is. everybody. He wants and to Russell spread T. it around Davis, the world. I felt is different. He, he was in love with it. In love with it. He was 
It Moffat just... wants the whole world to love Doctor Who, and it used to be this British gem, and now it's like all over the whole world. It's a big thing in the That's US. That's what's happened to I really do think Plus, that. Plus, you know, you, you you can run out of ideas. It might need a new director. It might need a new person. Yeah. Like it, it can, because one person like, can get... Like, don't, just pretend Doctor Who and his assistants don't even exist anymore. Don't even go there. They're off to the side. They're a whole different thing going on. I'm going to write a story about something so fantastic in the universe that I'm just dreaming it up. Or I've read somewhere in a space magazine about this galaxy in the distance that has like a green weird thing growing in the middle. Okay, how do I get Doctor Who there? That's what I would like to see instead of, ooh, here's Doctor Who's little life with his little people and the drama and he loves the people and blah, and where can we send them? I want to find a place first and then send them there. That's how I would write it. felt like it all... Like these new Doctor Who's, like in the third season, near the end of the third season, which incidentally was like when Russell T. Davis was leaving, and he did that massive, like everything you knew about these last three seasons, he brought it all together in this big crescendo, and it felt really awesome as a fan watching it. That's where I felt like it almost. That's where it started to, like you can't get bigger than that. Yeah. There's some episodes in there where Captain Jack is in it and. Sarah Jane. But even, I don't even need all that. I don't, I don't fact, mean you need them all. But in fact, I like that the, less. The stories, too. Then ones that are like when they go to New New York and the traffic has been tied up for a thousand years. And there's layers and layers and layers and layers of traffic and cars. See, that was kinds. a really inventive episode. And then in the bottom, there's something horrific going on. And all it was was him trying to find... Which one was it? It wasn't Donna. It was a girl before that. Martha. And but the thing was, he kept dropping into different cars, and which had all different story creatures. In each car. Yeah, that was a, that was one of my there's favorite lots ones of, ever. There's lots of inventive stories. I just and those were Russell T. Davis back then, but I feel now it's just a monster of the week. How do we defeat the monster of the week? Or you know, a time travel thing, and that's it. Like now, like not every, even that. Really. Every one of these five, it was like, oh, I, you know, the angels. The, they're always like that. Well, no. There was some really interesting... Um, like that one you just mentioned. There was a monster in the bottom. Yes, there was. But it, there was a lot more to it than that. Just like, how do we defeat it? It, it was There was more to it. Like There was more to those first seasons as well, you know? Those ones in the first season. Yeah. Um, now it's, now it's, it's just real plain to me. It's like, um, okay, here's the monster... Sometimes there's a surprise. I really liked the Dalek one, the first one of this season. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the, the, that one. I like that. But, yeah, it's... Uh, how hopefully it picks up. And, and I know they've just split the season into two. So this second part might... Well, at least the second part's not the ponds yeah. now, is it? So maybe it is different. So, um... Enough about Doctor Who. Moving on to games and Ace Gully stuff. Uh, games this week. And there were a few games this week. One of them being Assassin's Creed 3. I have it, but I've not even fired it up yet. Because there's so many games at the moment. I don't want to go into like a 70 hour game or whatever it is. Assassin's Creed 3. It's pretty long. And uh, not finish the one I'm playing before it. So I have not um, got into it. Uh, but I do have it on my playlist to be playing. Uh, but what I have played this week uh, is Need for Speed Most Wanted. And I did mention it a little bit last week. Criterion's new Need for Speed. Um, they were saying that it's like Burnout, or it's the sequel to Burnout Paradise, but with the Need for Speed moniker on it. Um, I agree. That's what it is. It's um, 
best played online, uh, the single player portion, I don't actually think is that interesting. Um, because it's one of those games that it's in, intrinsically online. Like every speed camera you go past has like a board on it with all your friends' times, like the fastest people past the cameras. You smash through a billboard. If your friends smash through it before you, their photograph will be on the billboard, so you're smashing through your friend's face. That you're saying that's good or bad? No, that's good. Oh, right, uh, right. That's what Criterion do well. So, But offline, you don't get to experience any of that stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. But um, what is good about it is uh, it's... Um, you put me off. Yeah, true. That's your thing. Just keep talking. I'm just sending my sister a message. So just so what? What is good about it? Do I have to stare at your eyeballs the whole time? No, I was just wondering what you was up to. Um, But you're just talking. You're not reading off of anything. (laughs) Sometimes I look to be reminded because I've wrote a few notes. But um, what I was saying about it was, it's not as good as Burnout Paradise, even though it's Criterion. Like, I know that Need for Speed is probably where the money is, right? It's like the money-making franchise. The name. Yeah, Burnout was popular, but it's kind of died. And they did move on to the Need for Speed franchise because EA bought Criterion. What we all thought was EA were buying Criterion so they could make more Burnout games. But no, they made them the Need for Speed team, right? So, And I I understand the reason why, because Need for Speed is where the money is, right? So they put the team who are good at racing games where the money, you know, the money franchise is. But I think they should let them off the Need for Speed thing and let them just make a burnout game. Definitely. Because there is no burnout game. I mean, a real burnout game, not just a racing game with a little bit of crashing burnout. No, I mean, Burnout Paradise for me, and it wouldn't be for you because it wasn't a crashing game. But Burnout Paradise is the ultimate burnout game. It was an open world, like Grand mm. Theft Auto style, huge environment that you could play online with your friends. And it almost felt like, you know, when you go online to play Call of Duty, you all meet up in your cars and then you go off and do all these tasks that were in the game. Like, there were silly tasks. Like, all eight of you, like, eight of you turned up in Burnout Paradise and it would say, like, all eight of you drive to the top of the highest cliff and jump off all at the same time. If you're all in the air at the same time, you'll get an achievement. There was that kind of stuff. Now, this new Need for Speed also has that stuff, but it's on a real small scale. It's like everybody uh, drift around this corner at the same time. It's just not as crazy. Because it's Need for Speed, it's not a crazy thing, is it? It's just driving. Whereas Burnout was a crazy thing. It was crashing into things. It was smashing things off the road. So I just think they need to put them back on Burnout. It's not going to happen, though, probably. Because Need for Speed, they need somebody to make Need for Speed every year, don't they? Maybe if they keep hearing people say things like that, they'll mix it up a bit. But they have to make Need for Speed every year. I know, but I mean make Need for Speed with those things a part of it. Yeah, and that's what this game, Need for Speed Most Wanted, is trying to do. You can tell. It's like Criterion said to them, you know, every Need for Speed game so far has a story. This game has no story. You drive into a city, it says, hey, guess what? This city's open to you now. Go and do what you want. Race. Do you know? There is kind of a thing where you have to work your way up this ladder, but it's not a story. There's no cutscenes. There's no nothing. It's just this race cars. Here's a city. It's the first time they've done that for a Need for Speed because every year they always. Because that's how Burnout was. There was no story. Right, exactly. But in Need for Speed, they always got bogged down with this. 
let's have a story. Let's have a, like the run last year. For people who don't know, Burnout originally had the racing portion and then they had a whole other mode, a whole complete mode of crashing, which meant you get in your car or car of choice. It could be a big van or a truck or a delivery truck or a little tiny mini or whatever. And you were shown the end of your route where there would be traffic. Yeah, like junctions of different lanes of traffic coming together and stuff or on different areas. And you have to approach that traffic in such a way to cause a massive pile-up crash and the most damage you could. And it really did matter, which... Yeah, it wasn't came pure in. luck. You yeah. had to... Sometimes it was luck, I think, because once you get in it, then the computer obviously takes over and starts... But then you had thing. a thing called aftertouch where you could that move was later. the car. That afterwards. wasn't the first right. one. But I remember the first one mostly. And it was just so fun that you knew if you did it just a little different, a little bit different, a little bit different. It was really satisfying. And I enjoyed it. But then they just removed that after the next time. After they did They the... made a game called Burnout Crash, which was just crashes. Um, it was an Xbox Live game. Right. But it was from above. It was like... A, yeah, it wasn't the same. Wasn't like, the same as thing. you're driving, like in a racing game, you're... And then you go up the ramp or off the cliff or into the... In, in, just flat on into an intersection. But you also had to navigate traffic so as you did, so that you didn't hit a car on the way and you had to get up enough speed sometimes. You had to hit a ramp that hit a semi to get yourself over across the lane. And it just felt really, like, strategic. And then you got this big, massive... And the numbers start flying, and then the number damage that you do is like... Yeah, so they cut all that out. And obviously that isn't allowed in a Need for Speed game, because Need for Speed has real cars in it, whereas Burnout had made-up fantasy cars. Need for Speed has real cars, Mercedes, Ferraris, all those kinds of things. Why is that allowed? The companies don't want their cars smashing up. They don't want... They don't want you to see their cars get smashed up. Well, you could make it so that they're toy cars, and you see that there's a kid is playing with them, and you're driving toy cars. I mean, there's, there's plenty of things, but as this stands, Need for Speed Most Wanted, it's a really good racing game, very competent. I wouldn't pay $60 for it, though. I, I would say, in a couple of weeks' time, it will be less than $60. Um, in fact, the Vita version, which is the, is, this is really cool, the Vita version is the full console version. It's not like a cut-down version. It's the full online console version on the Vita. The Vita's is thirty nine ninety nine, uh, whereas the console version is fifty nine ninety nine. But it's not one of those where you can buy one and play it on both. No, but if you have a Vita, it's actually $20 cheaper, and the game's identical, like identical to everything. Like, it's not a cut-down anything. It's got all the races... It's the whole thing. So it's a good value, actually. Um, I, I would probably say get the Vita version. The other thing is the Vita's got a camera right on it, so it can always take your photo to put it on the billboards. You don't have to go, oh, shit, I've not got a camera on my Xbox. or a, you know, And the microphone's built into the Vita to talk to people. Probably the best one of the lot. So uh, that's Need for Speed Most Wanted. Uh, the other massive news this week, and this is not game-related, is uh, Disney uh, bought Lucasfilm, which... Well, that's the first I've heard of it. Which is huge. Oh, no, it's not the first I've heard of it. So, like, out of nowhere, it's probably the biggest Star Wars news I've heard since they announced they were going to be making a prequel uh, trilogy. Um, so out of nowhere, George Lucas said, um, you know, I've, I'm selling Lucasfilm to Disney. And that just that means everything Star Wars. Everything Lucas, basically. He's Except a, episode four. Episode four belongs to Fox. 
but um, everything else is going to belong to Disney, and Disney are going to be in charge of uh, Star Wars from now on. But that's not the big news. The big news is, Disney said, we are also making new Star Wars films. That's not the end of it. In 2015, you will get Star Wars Episode Seven, And then in between 2015 and 2020, you'll get Episode Eight and Episode Nine. And George Lucas always envisioned it as a nine-movie thing. So um, the best thing out of this whole deal is there's going to be three new Star Wars movies, which is amazing to me. I can't, I can't tell you how much I'm excited about it. Oh, you, can, uh, you don't need to tell me. I know. And the other thing is... It can't, it was, <laughs> I think it's lovely that there's something that is so far in the future. Like, I, my brain doesn't work this way. So when I see this phenomenon with you and other people... It's like a little carrot on a stick. And then it's like every single day, every single day almost, you're probably going to seek out or find or read or see something about it until and then speculate and talk about it and think about it. And, oh, my God, who's the director? And look who's starring. And, oh, they're going to have Luke in it. Oh, yeah, totally. It's going to go on and on. And I don't have that mind at all. I'm like, okay, they're going to make some movies. Tell me the day we get on DVD. Like, I don't... Here's an interesting bit... Because I'm not in love with it the way you are. Interesting bit of trivia. Alec Guinness in Star Wars Episode Four played Obi-Wan Kenobi, obviously. Um, Mark Hamill is actually older than he was in that movie now. So, <laughs> that's, I, I couldn't... That baffled my brain. Why? Because I don't think of Mark Hamill as that old. It doesn't compute with me at all. Oh, you're one of those people too. Like, you don't calculate time. Alec Guinness is an people. old man in um, Star Wars Episode Four, no doubt, right? He's an old. Yeah, man. Mark Hamill made that movie thirty. Yeah, years he ago. did. Uh, so it doesn't compute. So when they were like, "Oh yeah, well, you know what? Mark Hamill's older than he- Alec Guinness was in." Are Star you still Wars. nine years old? No. You saw that movie when you were nine or. It 10. still doesn't compute. It's a weird thing. Like I don't well, see. Well, it does. It's just I've seen Mark Hamill, and he doesn't look as old as Alec Guinness. It's true. true. That's true. But but you know, it's weird. So, yeah, we don't know if Mark Hamill's going to be in the new movies. We don't know how this new movies are going to go. All Lucas has said is it is the continuation of Return of the Jedi. It's after Return of the Jedi. Could be thousands of years after Return of the Jedi, for all we know. Um, but See, the int- that's that kind of comment that I just think, and you have no idea. No, I'm saying that we, don't, we have day. no idea. Well, it won't so, be the next day. But. So, um, no, it won't be the next day. I can absolutely tell you it won't be the next day. Um so it was four point zero five billion dollars that Disney bought the rights. Um, they gave him half cash on that day, half of that in cash. He's took that money. You mean like truckloads of cash? Yeah, well, a, a bank transfer. <laughs> so he got half the cash when he signed that thing on that day, and the other half is stock options in Disney. So Lucas is a big shareholder of Disney now, which is just a win-win for him, right? You know, because because <laughs> he just. Yes, he gave up his big thing to Disney. It's not like it matters anymore. But, I mean, he gave up his huge thing to Disney, and everybody's like, oh, wow, yeah. why would you give that up? Well, no, he didn't really give it up. He took a huge chunk of money, and he also took a huge chunk of Disney, which is not just Star Wars now, is it? It's everything. Mickey Mouse, everything, right? So, it's probably a really lucrative deal. Oh, probably. Um, and he, he also <laughs> when said you just that, get $2 billion given to you? He also it. said that... Um, 85% of the money he has took from this Disney deal is going into his uh, charity thing, what he's doing, his phil- phil- I can never say philanthropy. That. Yeah. So um, that's really interesting because he's, he's going into education. He's, he's like a real ad- advocate for education. And he said uh, on an interview I saw with him this week that 
he has no use for all this money, and a lot of people do, so... Sure. You know, he wants to make sure his grandkids and everybody are cared for and, uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. given money. But the rest of it is going into this foundation. It's kind of like what Bill Gates went and did. You know, Bill Gates decided there was more to it and what he could do with his money was a good thing and went off and did a charity, right? So, um, yeah, it's amazing. Um, and the one thing that uh, I put in brackets there was, um, so Leia is now a Disney princess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Officially. Be- so they can have, like, she she actually goes alongside with Belle and all the princesses, doesn't she? You know, it's really... So, yeah, yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to see uh, what Disney do with uh, Star Wars. I think they will do a lot with it. I think we'll see a lot of animated stuff from um, on, their, on their Disney channel. The Clone Wars cartoon that is Cartoon Network is automatically going over to Disney now. I'm sure Disney will handle it really well. It's I know funny to a- think of people who think in terms of decades in the future like you know we're making these movies over the next 10 to 15 years and then in 2020 we're gonna have this and then in 2030 we're gonna i just don't i don't i don't know how to think that way i don't love it because it's obviously hard to take when you know they say you know if star wars is your favorite thing ever and they say there's a new star wars film it's in 2015 and you're like wow that's like three years away it's a long time like two years it's November now of 2012. Yeah, well, depending on when it comes out. Two and a half years, right? So, yeah. it's it's the Yes, that is hard to take because you want to see it now, don't you? You want to see it now. It just doesn't make sense. Well, see, no, that's the thing. I don't I don't have that. So, I guess we'll just... All I can say is what, all the movies that are coming out in 2015, and one of them is Avengers 2, they're going to have a hard time. There's a new Star Wars movie coming out that summer. Not necessarily, because a lot of people are soured on Star Wars, so I guess you just have to wait and see. From what I'm, you know, there was a bit of a backlash when this announcement came out. They're like, oh, Disney have done it. Oh, then, then I kept reading, people kind of thought about it a bit and said, well, you know, Disney have done well with other properties. The Muppets, um, Marvel's properties, you know, all of my, all, you know, these Marvel movies, Disney made them. <laughs> I mean, under the Marvel... Yeah. They're really good, right? The Muppets movie, the last, it was really good. I think they handled that Muppets movie really well. Um, they don't fuck around with franchises. They've got a lot of money. They know what to do. Star Wars, is, it, it actually is important Pe- to people. It's a, like a thing, isn't it, from your childhood? It's, it's important to some people, and a lot of people love it. So. Yeah. And they know that they are... The fans of Star Wars are... If you give them a good Star Wars, they'll love it and they'll lap it all up. But they're also the, they're they're like, not gonna love it. Do you reckon? I don't know. Um, they didn't love the prequel trilogy, but a lot of the complaints were it was because of George Lucas. He's not involved, is he now? He's not like he's not the director. He's not the you know maybe the dialogue. You know, people complain. Oh, the dialogue's real wooden in the prequels and stuff because of its old style of film. You know. Maybe a new guy will make it different and people will respond to it, you know? People love the Avengers and stuff, you know? The new... Yeah, but that didn't exist before. That no. was new. So to take your Star Wars from your childhood that you love and are so fond of and completely change it totally differently with all new characters and only to say, well, it is in the future and we're going to say it's in the Star Wars universe. It depends what they do. Nobody key. knows yet. Yeah. I mean, if it's got enough hookbacks to the original... Exactly. And I think that's what will happen. The style has to be part of that. It can't yeah, just I'm, look like 
Uh, we're also a long way from the, the... Even though the prequels look really good, they were in 1999, right? We're also... Special effects have come a long way again during definitely. that period. So the, this, these movies could be fantastic, you know? I guarantee you they'll be in 3D. That was a lot... Oh, I doubt it. That's going to be gone by then. Hopefully. Um, so, games for this week... You really think 3D is going to hang around? Yeah, I really do. I think it's... I don't. I think it will. They're so, already stopping making them and pushing it on people. No, only in the home. Not in the theatres. It's right, well, just it's, it's people, massive in the theatres. I think people will lose interest. Um, no, in the theatres it is massive. It, in fact, this year has been the biggest 3D. Uh, like they, people have been buying 3D tickets over. But in the home, it's not took off at all. Reason being, it's quite kind of expensive. Yeah, I'm very. Expensive. And you need a lot of different things. Exactly. Like, you know? um, if it was simple in the home, I think it would have took off. It's just that. You've got to have a special cable, you've got to have the glasses, you've got to have a special TV, you've got to have a special Blu-ray player. All that stuff is hard to source together, isn't it? You Plus, know? who wants seven or eight family members sitting around with big goggles on your face? Yeah, when that's gone. Yeah. You know, and in the cinema, it's a bit easier. You can all go, you get a cheap pair of glasses, it works, right? I think you should just stay in the cinema, basically. So, um, Halo 4 is out this week, talking of huge, huge, humongous, big games. Um, are you a Halo fan? No. Uh, do you know the Halo story? Not really. I know there's a big Halo in the sky. What I'm excited about... Oh, they crashed. I'm not really excited about Halo, to be honest. Even though I'm going to play this Halo, I play all of them. Um, what's interesting about this one is Bungie are not making Halo anymore, so it's a new 434 Industries, or 343 Industries. They're making it. And they are the new Bungie, basically. They're, they They've been given charge of Halo so it's their first game and the Master Chief is actually back he's not been in the last few games they were all spin-offs right so it's the continuation of Master Chief's story which is interesting in its own thing it's just I'm, I'm really dying to see uh, they wrapped it up not really he went into cryo sleep and uh, drifted off oh, into so space oh so he wasn't gone okay no um, so you know and what's interesting about this Halo is all the other Halos have had the same enemies. They've been fighting the uh, same enemy the entire time. This is a brand new enemy in this game, and they're called the Prometheans, uh, which is unfortunate. <laughs> they they called them the Prometheans. Why? Because uh, because Prometheus just came out, and then they called their enemies the Prometheans. Why is that unfortunate? They could they couldn't have foreseen that, I guess. Why is that unfortunate? Just seems a bit weird, doesn't it? Having the same. Oh no, I wouldn't associate them at all. Just a word. I associate it. So, uh, Halo 4, it's out on Tuesday, biggest, probably, I'd say Xbox's biggest release of this year, and then the week after it's Black Ops 2. That'll be <laughs> yeah. the biggest, that'll be the biggest thing of the entire year. Um, clocks go back tonight, I said that earlier on in the show, so at 2am you can put them back an hour, and it's your birthday this week. Correct. So, um, happy birthday to you, because <laughs> it will have already been your birthday when we t- speak again in next week. Explain to people how you can love someone who's not always lovable. Why? I can explain it to them, but you do it the other direction. <laughs> You're always lovable. Wait I'm not me. always lovable. See? What's it like to think that way? <laughs> <laughs> explain to the world the experience of not seeing the unlovableness of a person. Maybe you hypnotize me. I have powers, but I haven't been hypnotizing you for the last 13 years. <laughs> Almost 13 years. You're doing those snake eyes off um, I always say, Jungle Book. You know, no matter how how horrible people are, somebody in this world, everybody in this world has somebody 
another human who cares about them or loves them or you know worries for that individual's well-being regardless of where you are or who you are you may do things in your life that turn them off but at some point everyone was lovable that's my advice for the day all right so uh, <laughs> what's for dinner uh some pizza homemade pizza we're going to have some veggies and stuff on it and some sauce. It's Chef Boyardee pizza mix, which I haven't made for many years. And it was a big feature of my childhood to get out that box. And it had like a tall, skinny can with no printing on it or anything of the sauce. Like this little skinny can. Oh, the sauce then, is in, in it. Mm-hmm, the sauce comes in a little can. But oh, now I it's see. like in a little short, stubby can. But it used to be in this tall, skinny can that was in one side of the box. Then you had an f- envelope of the flour and stuff to make the dough. And then you had a little envelope of... Parmesan cheese. And that was the cheese pizza mix. Now, in our house, cheese pizza wasn't just a little packet of Parmesan cheese. That Parmesan cheese was set aside, and we would, my mother would pile cheese, like shredded cheese on top of it, and a bunch of cooked hamburger. Usually that was about it. Maybe some onions and, and hamburger cooked together, and then a whole bunch of regular cheese. And then we cut open the packet of Parmesan. And when the pizza was cooked on your plate, then you would sprinkle the Parmesan. So and it was always funny. We'd go to the store and, you know, they would show on the box this picture of a cheese pizza trying to claim that all you all they used was that little packet of Parmesan cheese. And you just always were like, what a load of crap. So I got the Parmesan cheese one and I'm going to put on it just leftover cooked vegetables that we had yesterday. And then uh, I do have some veggie cheese that I'm going to put on There's the some omelet. potatoes as well. I ate those today uh, earlier when I was hungry. <laughs> those would have gone just on so well. you know they would have but I have other things to go on some broccoli and some other stir fry some leftovers from last night that I'm going to put in there so um, I think that'll be delicious I don't know what for dessert though oh we've got those chocolate things skinny cow those are really good and my advice is what I said you before. already said it yeah I was going to do something else but I'll save, save that one for next week yeah alright so thanks for listening to the show I want to remind you about our websites aschoolie.com and sidtalk.com you can catch us on twitter facebook Xbox Live, YouTube, the Zoom Marketplace for this podcast. I have to stop calling it the Zoom Marketplace. The whatever Microsoft's Marketplace is for music and podcasts. RSS feed or go to iTunes if you're into the Apple stuff. You can catch me or email me at aschoolyaschoolie.com. Don't email SidTalk. And um, stay classy Steve Carell. Good performance from Steve Carell. Probably my favorite thing about this movie I agree. And I'm going to say think for yourself or someone's going to do it for you. 